You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, Part 10. Enjoy. He loves you with a perfect love. He cannot leave you. He won't do it. There's nothing that can make him forsake you. There's nothing that can make him quit on you. There's nothing that can make him turn his back on you. There's nothing that can get between his love for you and you. He loves you with a perfect love, and that's why we're here at Highway Church. Far too often, man's religious doctrine has gotten in the way of the goodness of God. And we want, we want you to know how good he is, and that's why we're here. So at Highway Church, we're about relationship with Jesus, all right, not religion. So uh, we actually don't come to church anymore. We became the church when we put our faith in Christ, so we just gather publicly on Sundays. We get together in our homes and we worship him, we're his sons and daughters. And he is doing amazing things in us. So I want to encourage you to just, just to zero in on the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not weird or strange. He should not be foreign to us. He shouldn't be mysterious to us. He is your best friend. Okay? And we're talking about the Holy Spirit right now. We're in a series called The Jesus Tree. We're talking about our family tree. When you put your faith in Christ... You were reborn, and you entered a brand new family. It's a supernatural family. You became God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. You became his son or his daughter. And we're lear we've learned a lot in this series. We've learned who we are in Christ, that we're new creations, that we're uh, the righteousness of God in Christ. We've learned about the nature and will of our Father, that he truly is 100% good all the time. And you can go back and listen to the previous messages. They're all free. They're on our website, highwaychurch.us. Okay, Facebook, how you doing? We're also live streaming right now on Facebook. So we want to say welcome our Facebook family as well. And uh, highwaychurch.us, just click on the podcast button, and all of our messages are there. And they go from the most recent all the way back to when we started in 2014. Okay, and you can, you can listen to them directly, you can download them, you can share them, so take advantage of that. Um, then we've been learning about our family history, in a sense, we went all the way back to Genesis, and we began looking at the first son of God, right, Adam. God made Adam and Eve in the beginning, and we saw that God set up a system in the earth, and he will not violate it. What was that system? He made us in his image. Okay, you're made in the image of God, and he made us to believe and to speak forth his will into the earth. Okay, it's good to know that. He's given us that authority. And for God's will to happen, we said, for God's will to happen in the earth, he needs someone made in his image, a man or a woman, to believe it and speak it. Very important to understand that. Most of Christianity is waiting for God to do something. He hasn't set it up that way. He's done everything he could do by giving us his son, Jesus Christ. It is accomplished. Your redemption is accomplished. He's just waiting for us to believe it, right? To realize what he's done and to grab a hold of it and enjoy it and walk in it. All right? So it's time to experience the finished work of Jesus. And most recently, I think we started last message, we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? What is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? To fill us up 
with the life and fire of God. That's what he's about. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. He's the third person of the Godhead. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And he is in this earth to fill you up with the presence of God. He is the active agent of God in the earth, all right? Now, the Holy Spirit has desires. Did you know that? Sure, he, he feels things, right? He has desires. He has a will. He's God, right? And what he desires to do, and this is so important, he wants to manifest the will of God, the Father, in the earth, in you, and through you. Okay, the Holy Spirit wants to bring about the will of God in you and through you. All right, let's look at Philippians 2.13 in the Amplified Translation. Let's get some more of this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us right now and in us. Lord, we are, we are uh, fully engaged we belong to you, and we give you full right away, Holy Spirit, to fill us to overflowing, to do what you want to do in us this morning, to fix what needs to be fixed, to heal what needs to be healed, to change what needs to be changed, to move us forward into the fullness of your plan for our lives. Verse 13 in the Amplified, this is so good, it says, not in your own strength, for it is God, in this case it would be the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, who is all the while effectually at work where? In you. That's inside of you, okay? In you, what is he doing? He's energizing and creating in you the power Mm. and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. What is his good pleasure? What's the Holy Spirit's good pleasure? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to theorize. Jesus told us the good pleasure of God. Life abundantly. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is the Holy Spirit's good pleasure. That's what he wants to bring about in your life. Right? In fact, Acts 10.38 said Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's his good pleasure. Healing is his good pleasure. Abundant life is his good pleasure. In fact, John 3.16 gives us his good pleasure. Salvation, setting people free. Who? Whoever would believe. It's available to anyone. So we know the good pleasure of God. 3 John 1.2 tells us it's that we would prosper and be in health. That's God's desire. That's the Holy Spirit's desire for you. And I know this can make religious people mad, but his desire is for you to prosper and to be in health. That is his good pleasure. Isn't that good? That's his desire. It's good to know what he's about, isn't it? What he's doing inside of you. He's bringing us to a place of wholeness and prosperity if we'll just let him, right? If we'll just believe him. The Weiss New Translation says it, New Testament says it this way. For God is the one who is constantly putting forth his energy in you. Jesus. 
both in the form of your being desirous of and of your doing his good pleasure. What's his good pleasure? Life abundantly, wholeness, salvation, prosperity. That's the heart of God. It's from the scriptures beginning to end, okay? Hallelujah. Now, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest this in the earth, in you, and through you. He wants to unveil Christ to you. And we say this regularly at Highway Church. It's really not about how much you love God. It's about how much he loves you. That's what you want to begin to focus on. Become consumed with his love for you personally. In fact, if you'll just think about that, you'll be all set for the rest of your life. If you will just focus on his love for you and what he's done for you through his son Jesus, everything else will take care of itself, okay? And now I want to give you the promise of the month, okay? John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. This is the promise of the month for September. The Holy Spirit wants to unveil Christ to us. He wants us to know him personally. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, and who's talking right here in John 16? Jesus, right? He says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. Wow. He won't speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Wow. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is revealing something to you? Guaranteed the peace of Christ will be with it. You'll just sense the peace of Jesus Christ, right? And it will be in agreement with the person, the character of Christ. Verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine, that's Jesus talking, and making it known to you. That's his good pleasure, revealing Christ to you, making known to you that Jesus himself bore your sicknesses, carried your diseases, and with the stripes that wounded him, you have been healed. That's his good pleasure, to reveal that to you. How are we doing? Are we awake? This this is going to heat up real fast, so I hope you're ready, okay? Now, The Holy Spirit wants to fill us up with the life and presence and fire of God. He wants to clothe us with power from on high. And no matter how much you can lift, no matter how much you can bench press, no matter what kind of training you have, you're not strong enough in your own strength to fulfill your destiny to do the things that God wants to do in your life. His dream for your life is bigger than you. It's bigger than what's you're, what you're capable of in your own strength. We need the power of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to clothe us with the power of God. You remember last week we said you're made in the image of God to be filled with the Spirit of God and nothing less than the Spirit of God is going to do for you. I don't know, kind of like if there was an engine that was made only to run on premium. It doesn't run on anything less than premium. 
well, you're not, you're not a regular, you're not a mid-grade, you're not a premium, you're a, you're a Jesus engine. You're a super premium. Amen. Nothing less, the Holy Spirit is super premium. Don't put anything else inside of you. We don't want to live with external things. We don't want to live, let me say it this way. We don't want to live our lives relying on external things to give us peace and strength. We need an internal supply of peace and strength that is supernatural. I would dare to say that never before in the history of America have so many people been relying on prescription drugs. Why? Because they don't know of the power and the life that I'm speaking about this morning. It is the supernatural power and fire of, of heaven's throne. And it is available to you today. We're going to give you a chance to receive it and to enjoy it in a little bit. All right? We want you to receive the fire of God this morning. It's time for God's people to be free. Free of any external substance whether that be a prescription drug, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, it's time to live from internal power, internal peace that nothing can take away. See, now I'm, not putting, I'm not saying, you know, everyone should stop taking prescription drugs. You know, there may be a time or someone may be in a season where they're just, you know, they don't understand the things that God's provided for them, and they may need that for a time. But listen, I want, I, they're not made for you to be on for the rest of your life. And even if they are, don't do it. There's a better way. All right, we're not telling you to stop taking your medication, but we are telling you there's a more powerful medicine. It's the very power of Jesus. It's the medicine that made the lame walk and the maimed whole and the blind see and the deaf hear and the dumb sing. And it's available to you right now. And Jesus fulfilled your prescription with his blood. He signed it and it's yours. Jesus paid for your prescription and you've got a lifetime supply of prescription heaven fire. You're God's masterpiece. Do you remember? There's no one else like you. You're one of a kind. You're handcrafted by him. Don't cheapen yourself by relying on external things. Okay? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. I like this. If you're not drunk, we're about to get drunk. Okay? You can tell, invite people to church. Say, we get drunk there every Sunday. Come. Ephesians 5, 18. This is what it says. This is the message translation. It says, don't drink too much wine. That's external. Right? That's external. It doesn't last. That cheapens your life. Relying on an external substance to give you peace cheapens your life. Man, you're a Picasso. You're a Michelangelo. Don't let the devil paint a mustache on you. Know who you are. Don't, don't let him try and tell you what you need. All you need is a Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge drafts of Him. <laughs> Huge drafts of Him. You can't drink too much Holy Spirit. The life of God, because of what Jesus did, it's on tap for you 24-7. Time to fill it up. 
you got to tilt your glass because you don't want too much foam, right? We don't need foam. We don't need fake stuff. We don't need air bubbles. We need the power and substance of God's presence. Verse 19 says, but drink deeply of what? God's spirit. How do we do that? With our mouth. You drink with your mouth, don't you? Sure. And you fill yourself up with God's spirit with your mouth. You speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and you vent your frustrations. Is that in there? When I see someone on Facebook say, I'm, I'm going to vent. You know what that means? They're, 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 they're being carnal. You don't have any need to vent. The word. No one needs to hear you're venting. You're not doing anyone a favor and you're not helping yourself. Well, I just need to get it out. No, you need to praise him. You need to open up your mouth. You might feel like venting. You might feel like tearing someone's head off. But instead, we let the Spirit of God empower us, and we open up our mouth, and we say, Thank you, Father. You know what's going on in my life. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. You've gone before me. You love me with the perfect love. You're a shield all about me. I am your son. I am your child. I'm full of your Spirit. That's how we vent. All right? We speak forth who we are in Christ. We declare that God is faithful, and no matter what it looks like, he's fulfilling his promises in our lives 24-7. And no one can change that. That's how you fill yourself up. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing. Drunk people sing. Don't they? My friend... What's his name? Otis on Andy Griffith's show? Yes. <laughs> then he walks around, he sings, right? Sing. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to sing and offer praise in your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus came so that you could be permanently drunk on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's why he came. So there would be an, a continuous flow between heaven's throne and your heart. Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, they couldn't do this. They had to carry the tabernacle with them. In the New Testament, we are the tabernacle. We are the bearers of God's presence, right? Look at Ezekiel 36. Are we awake? Yes. Group jumping jacks in order? Yes. Come up. We're awake, right? I want you to be ready to fill yourself up, to drink deeply. There's a draft of God's presence waiting for you. We're going to have a good, good, big drink in just a little bit here. Well, we're drinking already, aren't we? When you're believing the word of God, you're drinking of his presence. When you're speaking the word of God, you're drinking a Jesus draft, right? This is the high life, isn't it? Miller, what do they say about Miller? Is it the high life? They don't know what you're talking about, do they? Right? It's actually a low life, isn't it? Jesus is the high life. Wouldn't that be a great uh, tagline? Miller, the low life. No. I think that would damage their sales a little bit. All right, Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Now, this is God the Father through the Spirit prophesying through Ezekiel, uh, describing what he's going to do through Jesus. And he said, I'm going to give you a new heart. That's what happens when you put your faith in Christ. You get a new heart. And, I, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Look at verse 27. And, as if that's not enough, 
and it's not, I will put my spirit in you. It's not enough just to have a new heart. You've got to have the spirit of God living inside of you. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Isn't that good? Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Says, do you not know that you, who? You. Yeah, me and you. That you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells inside of you. Hallelujah. You have the spirit of God of God inside of you. And no one can take it away. Take him away. Right? The Holy Spirit is the third person of God. He's not an it. He's a he. Right? Hallelujah. So if you're born again, according to the Bible, now we're going to say some some shocking stuff here. You guys are used to that. Ready? (laughs) Clear. Okay? If you're born again, You have the Holy Spirit living in you, right? But, uh uh-oh, you may not understand and may not have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to explain this, so don't panic yet, and don't panic ever, actually. Don't need to. I remember when I first got saved, I told the pastor... I said, boy, you know, because I, I was reading the scriptures, just filling myself up. I said, you know, because I, I know Jesus now, I'll never have to say, oh, no, again. He's got me covered, right? Oh, no. Uh-uh. No, he's got me covered. So you may have the Holy Spirit living in you. But you may not understand or you may not have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, here we go. I know that sounds controversial. We're going to talk about something that's very controversial in the body of Christ, which we do regularly anyway. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are not ignorant of Satan's schemes. Controversy is one of his schemes. In other words, he wants to keep you from enjoying the abundant life Christ came to give you. So what he'll attempt to do is surround the things that God has provided for you with controversy, with heated debates, right, with rebuttals, with uh, confusion. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of those things. Well, what is the uh, controversy around it? Well, some say that every believer is automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if we look at the scriptures, which we're going to do, you will find that nothing is automatic in the kingdom of God. Oh, no. Nothing. It needs to be activated by faith. Okay? Now, religious tradition and doctrines of men are some of the primary tools that the enemy uses to create controversy, to keep people from receiving what God has for them. For example, a big one in October, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, saved by grace. Is that in the Bible? Yes. Where's that at? Well, numerous places, but the famous verses in Ephesians, right? That we've been saved by grace through faith, 
right? It's all over the New Testament. But boy, has there been some controversy around that. You know how long that controversy's gone back? All the way back to the first generation of the church. You can see it in Paul's letters. They're fighting and arguing about what they have to do to be saved. They have to be circumcised. They've got to keep the law of Moses. And Paul is saying, no, we're saved by faith. Grace through faith, right? There's controversy around the, the fundamental provisions of God. Your salvation being by God's grace, not by your works or by your own efforts. Healing, a lot of controversy around healing. There are some who teach that it's not God's will to heal everyone. Jesus didn't teach that. God made it very clear through his son, Jesus Christ, it is his will 24-7 for you to be healed right now. We can know that. See, you can't have faith if you don't know the will of God, right? How can you have faith is knowing. Faith is being sure and certain. There's controversy around that. Prosperity. There's controversy. Somewhere along the line, people started to believe a lie of the enemy that, that humility and poverty go together. That doesn't make any sense. Po God is against poverty. Poverty is a, is a part of the curse. I'm not talking about poor people. I'm talking about poverty, right? I, 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 I've, I've had the pleasure of knowing all kinds of people in my life. And I've known people who are living in poverty that are conceited. I've known people who are very wealthy that are humble. My point is humility is not connected to what you have or don't have. It's an attitude of your heart. All right? It's an attitude of your heart. And God wants you to be free from lack in your finances and in any other area of your life. We doing okay? Hallelujah. So the controversy, let's talk about this. Every believer is automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. The scriptures don't teach that. Let's take a look at these things. Let's, how about the disciples? Well, you would think the disciples would be automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you? Well, let's take a look. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He's ministering to you right now if you'll just listen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 20. Remember, nothing is automatic in the kingdom of God. We experience God's will by gaining knowledge of it and believing it. Okay? If you don't know it, you're not going to experience it. Right? It's through the knowledge. Faith begins where the will of God is known. All right? When you know his will, you can pray with confidence. If you don't, it's kind of like you're unsure, right? Let's take a look at this. John chapter 20. Now, this is after Jesus rose from the dead right? He's already been crucified. He's already died. He's already raised. And he's appearing to his disciples. How many days did he appear to them? 40 days, right? Verse 19, we'll start there. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus. When you're afraid, he's right there, isn't he? And stood in the midst, he's never afraid, and said unto them, wholeness. That's the Greek word irene, 
The Hebrew writers used it as the Greek equivalent to shalom in the Old Testament. He's saying peace, wholeness, well-being, health, prosperity be unto you. Sorry, that's what it means. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. What's he saying? I paid full price for you. I did it. It's real. It's yours. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again. Why? It's his good pleasure. Peace, wholeness, health, well-being, prosperity. Be set at one again. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive the Holy Ghost. That's the King James. Ghost, spirit, same thing, right? Receive the Holy Ghost. What just happened here? What happened here? Was this the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do I know? I'll show you. The Holy Spirit could not baptize yet because Jesus hadn't ascended to the Father. Let's talk about the timetable here. At this point in time, well, let's, let's say this. No one could be born again until Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. Do you understand that? So at this point in time, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's the firstborn from among the dead, and he breathes on them, and guess what happens? They're regenerated. They are now born again. Okay, this is God's timetable. So no one in the Old Testament could be born again. Okay? Because Jesus had to come, all right? Now, in order for the Holy Spirit to come, it's called the promise of the Father, Right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke of. Jesus had to ascend unto his Father. He hadn't done that yet. He said, I've got to go to heaven and stay there for the Holy Spirit to come. Right? So Jesus was crucified. He died. He paid the price for sin. He he, He rose from the dead. The disciples were born again. Now he's about to send unto the Father. Look what he says to them in Acts chapter 1. They've already breathed on them. They've already received the Holy Ghost, right? Remember we said if you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, all right? But then he says this before he leaves, verse 3 of Acts chapter 1. Well, let's start in verse 3, yeah. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, means suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. Almost six weeks of the resurrected Christ appearing to his disciples. Amazing, isn't it? And uh, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. That's a big deal. Right? This is the risen Christ commanding them. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Why? I mean, they've been personally trained by Jesus. He just breathed on them. They've just been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. But the baptism hasn't happened yet, right? He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. 
Are, we, are you guys with me on the timetable here? Right? Which saith he, you have heard of me. Jesus told them about this, right? Remember when he said it'd be better, it'll be to your advantage that I go away? That's what he was talking about. So the Holy Spirit could come, right? Now, what in, let's, let's see, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. You just keep looking at that verse right there. Oh, yeah, you can go to it. That's fine. This is what uh, John said, John the Baptist. He said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. So many believers are trying to live by the power of their water baptism instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's John, the baptizer. He's saying something mightier is about to happen. The one whose shoes I can't bear, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. We, so many believers are looking to the ministry of John the Baptist instead of the ministry of fire, the Holy Spirit. We're fire people here. Now back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8 now. What did Jesus say? He said, uh, you know what? Did I, what did I skip? Wait for the promise of the Father, verse 4. Did I read verse 5? Let's read verse 5. Acts chapter 1. For John truly baptized with water, but there's something else. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. You'll notice something when we read the scriptures. It becomes very simple and very clear. Why? We're destroying the controversy. We're going to Jesus. Jesus clears up the confusion. Are you willing to let go of your religious tradition to receive the fire? Come on. What do you want more, the fire of heaven or your religious tradition? I'm I, I can't do it. I can't play political games. I can't be a part of religious tradition. I've got to know Jesus. I need the real Jesus in my life. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not trying to step on any toes. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want wholeness in your body, if you want the fire of heaven in your bosom, it's time to believe Jesus. Verse 8 now. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he wanted his disciples to be powerful. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be living evidence of me. Not you shall go around knocking on doors witnessing. You shall be my witnesses. I'm not knocking that. But there's a lot of people knocking on doors that just know about John's baptism. And they're not full of fire. He told his disciples, don't go anywhere until there's fire inside of you. Me being with you is not enough. You need the Holy Spirit inside of you burning brightly. And that's about to happen. Hallelujah. I'll tell you. There's a fire burning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's look at some other examples of people who were born again but didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Are we doing okay? Yes. 
Come on, isn't this fun? Isn't it fun to just push aside the confusion, the controversy, and know him as he is? I, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I'm not interested in getting any acclimates or, or I don't even know if that's a word. Did I say that right? I, I want him. I don't care if people make fun of me, if people criticize me. I just want him more. I want to be overflowing with Jesus. Oh, accolades. Is that what I was trying to say? What did I say? Acclim- lemonade? I don't know. Acts chapter 8. Don't mind me. I I do speak English occasionally. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. I used to fall asleep in grammar class. And boy, am I sorry. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Verse 15. And when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them. What? These are disciples of Jesus. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What? Isn't the Bible shocking? If you've been steeped in religious tradition, I remember the first time I started reading John, I'm like, why didn't someone tell me this? This is so good. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and that's not enough. Isn't that what I just said? Am I, am I trying to add something to this? What, what were they missing? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, you know, you could receive, uh, you can be born again. Water baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit in the same moment. If you got some water around, right? It just depends on the knowledge of the one baptizing you and the knowledge of the one being baptized, right? Do you know what's available to you? But what happens often, I personally was born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit maybe a week or so later, and I wasn't baptized in water probably to months later, right? But man, I had fire coming out my ears, Verse 17. Is that where we stop? Yeah. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. You can't live with two-thirds of God. How many believers are trying to live with two-thirds of God? You need all of him. You need God the Father. You need God the Son. You need God the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus is not enough. You need the third person of the Godhead. A a stool with two legs falls over. A stool with three legs is sturdy. Hallelujah. And when Simon saw, that's not Simon Peter, that's Simon the sorcerer. Right? He, he, he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. What, what did he see? Same thing that happened at Pentecost, speaking in tongues. We're going to see this. Let's keep reading. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah, glory to God. This is the famous passage where Cornelius is praying. Remember, he's a Roman. and he, I, Was he a centurion? I forget. But he's a Roman uh, soldier, and he's praying, and Peter is led by the Spirit to his house, and Peter speaks 
uh, he says, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. These are Gentiles. These aren't the in crowd, right? He's just preaching to them. And the Holy Ghost falls on them. Wow. On all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed, those are the Israelites, right? They were astonished. Wait a minute, this isn't in our books. You got to be circumcised to be one of God's. No, it's through faith. Which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Why? Because that on the Gentiles, the aliens, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. How did they know that? We don't have to guess. We don't have to theorize. Just keep reading. Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of this. There's nothing, I'll tell you, there's nothing like it. I wouldn't want to live another day without it. And magnified God. Then answered Peter, look at this. Can any man forbid water? <laughs> That they, should not, that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost. That's what happened to me. I heard the word, put my faith in Christ. I was born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then later on, I got dunked in the pool, right? Wow. Look what he says. They've received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Man, this is amazing. Now, later, Peter recaps this in, in Acts chapter 11. Let's look at his recap. This is like the uh, post-game show, right? Verse 15, he says, as I, fifth quarter, here we go. As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us. Sounds like there's a standard that he's comparing his experiences to. And in this case, it's good. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Then remembered I this word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that what was that I could withstand God. Let's look at another example. You can you know, write these references down, take pictures of them on the screen. I want, we want to get through all of these references because when we pray, I want you to have knowledge of what belongs to you Amen. so that you can be lit up, baby. Yeah. All right? Amen. So let's go to Paul at Ephesus. In Acts. Now, was Paul one of the original 12? Was he in the upper room? No. No, no he was, he was uh, arresting. Those wasn't he persecuting those? He was Saul of Tarsus who became Paul. Well, he's a, he's he's delivered now. He's born again, full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter nineteen, he's in Ephesus and he says to them, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" Remember that religious teaching where everyone automatically receives the Holy Spirit. So if you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ignorance, ignorance, ignorance. Right? That's kind of like the emperor, what's it called? Emperor without any clothes? Emperor new clothes, yeah. Right? He thought he had a beautiful wardrobe on and he was naked. There are a lot of Christians witnessing naked. 
They're not clothed with power from on high. They're not clothed with fire. And they wonder why it's not working. Come on, it's time to put your clothes on, please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Well, yeah, it was automatic. No. And they said unto him, um, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. They had no knowledge of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see the connection between knowledge and experiencing it. You've got to know it. This is one of the primary roles of a pastor to bring God's people into the knowledge of the finished work of Jesus. People should, should be so inspired when they gather together on Sunday mornings. They should leave with a greater knowledge of who they are in Christ and what he's accomplished for them. They should not leave feeling condemned, feeling like they don't belong, feeling confused, thinking they're never going to get it right. No. We've not even heard there was a Holy Ghost. Wow. So things don't automatically happen in God's kingdom. You need the knowledge of it, and you need to believe it. All right? Verse 3. So he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That's Jesus. That's on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then what did Paul do? He laid his hands upon them. The Holy Ghost came on them. And what did they do? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. We're going to explain what speaking tongues is in just a few moments, or just a few minutes. Well, not really a few minutes, but coming up. Okay. Let's see, where are we going next? Okay, well, let's do it. Let's explain it right now, okay? So the biblical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I know it makes people mad, but I don't wanna, I'm not interested in offending anyone. I just want the Bible. I want the reality of Jesus. And we're going to look at this. Now, here's a principle of Bible study, Okay. It's called the law of first mention. You ever heard of that? If you're a student, if studying the Bible, you'll come across this principle of Bible study. It's called the law of first mention. And basically what it says is that the first time something is mentioned or happens in the Bible is very significant. And it sets the standard for the rest of, of the time that that appears. Give you an example. Where is the first place in the Bible that the word love appears? Love, L-O-V-E. Nat King Cole sang about it. L is for the way you, right? That's, that's uh, Baby Ray's song. Where's the first place, before Nat King Cole sang it, where was the first place it appeared in the scriptures? Anyone know? Genesis 22, verse 2. Can we put that up there? First place it appears, and it is very significant. Do we have it? Genesis 22, 2. Hot dog. God is saying, he says to, who's he talking to here? Abraham, the father of our faith. There are no Ten Commandments at this point. This is hundreds of years before the law. Okay? 
Our relationship with God is not based on the Ten Commandments. It's based on the faith of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. Hi, Facebook. Then he said, take now your son. Who was Abraham's son? Isaac, your only son, whom you love. Have you ever read John 3.16? First time the word love appears in the Bible right there. In the context of a father sacrificing his only son. That is the definition and standard of love. There is no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for another. There's no greater love than this that God would give his one and only son for you. The law of first mention. Principle of Bible study. It's great when you're studying your Bible. It really opens up things. All right? Now, who is the first one in the New Testament to mention speaking in tongues? Anyone know? Who's the first one to talk about speaking in tongues? Paul? New? New? Jesus. <laughs> Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 16. Law of first mention. The first one to talk about it was Jesus. At this point, he was risen. Verse 15 of Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and I love how, how unconfused he says this, how natural and clear he makes it. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. First time it's mentioned in the New Testament. And Jesus did it. So who are these, who is this for? Those who believe. In fact, Acts 2.39, after they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Peter says, this is for you, it's for your children, and it's for all those who are far off. It's for everyone who believes. All right? Let's see here. We're good. We're, we're, we're real close now. So in Acts chapter 2, let's go there. Acts chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. The New Testament church is born. I don't know of anything more significant than that, other than the ministry of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. The New Testament church is born. Talk about the law of first mention. This is a first. Never happened before in the earth. Yeah, you can come up here if you want. Right? She held up a one, like first time, right? First time. Yeah, that's right. And look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. So you get, this is, this is the birth of the sons and daughters of God in the earth. And he says, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You come up here, sweetie. You want to come up? Come on. You want to come up? Come on. 
It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Number one, right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Right? Like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The New Living Translation of verse 4 says, As the Spirit gave them this ability. The New Century Version says, By the power of the Holy, by the power the Holy Spirit was giving them. Wow. So on the day of the church, church's inception, what was the first sign to show up? Speaking in tongues. Didn't we just read it? Come on, are we, are we trying to promote some new doctrine? We're just reading the Bible and accepting it. Boy, life's so simple that way. It really is. The church began speaking with tongues on day one. Whose idea was this? Who orchestrated this day of Pentecost? I mean, who, who orchestrated the baptism of the Holy Spirit? God the Father, right? This was his plan. The promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called, right? All right, so why speaking in tongues? It's a little weird, isn't it? That's what I thought before I knew what it was. I thought, I don't understand this. I mean, I took a couple years of French, but, you know, come et vous You know what I mean? That's about it. Très bien, merci, vous but I, you know, how am I going to speak in another tongue? Why, is, why was that the first thing to manifest in the New Testament church? Why does God want our tongues to be on fire? What does Proverbs 18.21 say? Put that up there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. There's no better place to have fire burning than on your tongue. That's why I like that spicy salsa. (laughs) Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said this about your tongue. He said, for as surely I say to you, whoever says, what do we speak with? Right mouth, right tongue, to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he not thinks, not thinks, not philosophizes, that he says. Right? Your salvation is, is between your heart and your mouth. You believe it in your heart, but you've got to speak it with your mouth, right? That he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. That's three times in one verse. Jesus talks about the tongue. I think it's important, right? Look what James chapter 3 says. See, it makes perfect sense 
when you understand how we're made, how important our tongue is, oh, we need this fire. We need a supernatural spirit-empowered tongue, right? James 3, verse 3, indeed, we put in horses, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Have you ever sitting on a horse? They are strong. And you got this little bit in their mouth, and you go, and they turn. They could throw you like nothing, right? Like a bag of sugar. But this little thing in their mouth determines where they go. Verse 4, look also at ships. Although they, have, they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder. It's right here, tongue, right? Wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force, a forest, a little fire is kindled, little fire kindles? So you see how important the tongue is. It's a spirit-empowered tongue. That changes everything. The Holy Spirit wants to light your tongue with heaven's fire. Are you ready to receive it? You may have already received it, but if you haven't, it's here for you right now. What did God say in Jeremiah 23, 29 about his word? Is not my word like fire? declares the Lord. What does Hebrews 12, 29 say? For our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Now you remember God's system, right? He made man in his image to believe and speak forth his will in the earth. For God's will to happen in the earth, someone made in his image has to believe it and speak it. Speaking is what separates us from the animals, one of the things, right? We can articulate specifically what we're thinking, what we're believing. So what happens when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, where does the Holy Spirit live? In you. So he's not going to come down from heaven and do this. If you put your faith in Christ, he's living in you, right? He's inside of you. Luke 6.45, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit rises up inside of you and gives your mouth the ability to pray in a language your head doesn't understand. Why is that important? We're almost done. Two more scriptures, then we're going to pray. Why is that important? Why praying in a language that your mind, your, your natural mind doesn't understand? Yeah, right, exactly. We learned in our get-togethers on Wednesday night at Debbie's house that we actually have two minds. We have the mind of the Spirit and our natural mind. And you, have you ever known something in your spirit or your heart that your head hadn't figured out yet? It wasn't because you had, uh, you read a new, it's just, I know it. It wasn't because someone, you know, gave you some special information. It's just like, I know this right in here. I don't know how, but I know it. Right? That's your spirit. Your spirit is light years beyond your natural mind. We're made to live by our spirits. 
not by our natural mind. Natural mind's a tool. God has given us. It's amazing, but your spirit is where the power is. All right? So the reason that he empowers our tongue to pray, our spirit to pray with our mouth, is so that our natural understanding doesn't get in the way. When you're praying in the spirit, you're praying a perfect prayer. You're praying a spiritual prayer, a spirit-to-spirit, heaven-written prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, one, this, two more scriptures, and then we're good, then we're good. 1 Corinthians 14, I like how, boy, Paul makes it so clear right here. In verse 14, he says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Wow. But my understanding, my natural mind, is unfruitful. So what's the deal here? Verse 15, what is it then? Well, I pray with my spirit and I pray with my understanding. We do both. They're both important. Right? Understanding. We don't throw it away. We want to we increase our understanding of the knowledge of God, right? I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Last verse, verse 20 of Jude. So there's Paul saying, I do both. I pray in the spirit and I pray with my understanding. I sing in the spirit and I sing with my understanding. Jesus, you are the one who loved me. Jesus, I worship you and give you praise. We sing in the spirit, we sing with our understanding. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's time. Now, if you haven't done this before, I want to encourage you to do it today. It is a power from heaven. All right? So we're going to, yeah, you can come up and play some music and we'll worship the Lord. If you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you just to, to come At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.